en hartelike goeiemorgen, welkom by ons program Skriftierlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord, en Psalm 119, sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy mondtik kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skriftierlik. Our family is just getting bigger and bigger. Welcome to 657 AM. Yeah, welcome to 657 AM. Welkom by a Christen Radio Stasie Radio Kansel. Skrifteerlik, die naam van die program vir die volgende uur, en ons mix and match. That means I'm Afrikaans, Rocky English, and uh, the Lord knows what the, your background is and what cultural background you're from. So we'd like to invite you, come and join us as we search the scriptures, as we look for answers to questions that people struggle with on a daily basis. Last week, I've learned that we as us Africans are so, so broken. And then when we struggle, we forget to go to the blueprint for happy living, God's word. Rocky Stevenson, good morning, my brother. How are you keeping? Good morning. So so good to be here. Thank you, Vainant. Rocky, do you truly believe that there's answers for every conceivable problem that we might face and can face in God's Word? Is it the blueprint for happy living? Absolutely. I mean, um, there's no other place to look, and His Word is sufficient for life and for godliness. So the problem isn't always with, or never is, with God in His ability to communicate. The problem is us and our inability to really want to listen. And I I say really want to listen because we oftentimes can listen but not really hear. And we don't really want to because we love the darkness instead of the light. And so the problem's more with us. But the Lord in his mercy has given us his word and he's given us all of the answers. Rocky, when you say all of the answers, there's broken people. Ons praat van afflerk mese. Broken winged people who can't fly anymore. I'm so mindful of that scripture, John 10, 10. Uh, We we, we here on radio talk uh, about John ting, ting. It rings like a bell. You will never forget. Where where Jesus says, he says, Satan, the thief come to rob, steal and destroy. He says, but I have come that you can have life abundantly. And yet when we look around us, Mm. Uh, people are not having life abundantly, the joy of the Lord. Uh, and yeah, Funny you should talk about that passage. Yesterday I listened to an excellent sermon by a man named Keith Malcolmson, and he's a, a minister in Ireland. And he's a, you can actually find that sermon online, and he talks about hindered by Satan. And he quoted John 10.10 10 as well. Amazing. As well. Just confirmation. And, yeah. um, you know, what a what an excellent sermon to have listened to yesterday. I actually emailed him and said, thank you, dear brother, for preaching so faithfully. Yeah. And so I'd recommend that to any listener. What's his name again? Keith Malcolmson. Keith Malcolmson. Yes. Um, did a great job of just working through that the passage where Paul was hindered by Satan to go to Thessalonica. And he says that Satan hindered me. And uh, right at the end of his message, he speaks about the way that God in his sovereignty 
had a, a massive plan, even though Satan was permitted to hinder him, like what Satan was permitted to sift um, Peter and yeah. permitted to even uh, attack somebody like Job. God, in his mercy, had this grand scheme, uh, bigger view, the bigger picture of yeah. what was happening. And you think yeah. about the book of First Thessalonians, which yeah. was written because of that. And a man like Timothy that was sent to, first, to Thessalonica to minister there, and later on Timothy would pass to the church at Ephesus. So you think about the way that God used even that hindering of Satan in Paul's ministry to actually bring about the, that marvelous book, First Thessalonians, and Timothy going there. So, yes, um, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And indeed, as you say, for broken people, there's no better place to go than to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, where he was broken for us, a broken people. And does, while that you were, mean, does that mean you're in a room, close the doors, the Bible instruct, and you on your knees before the Lord? Is that yeah, what indeed, you mean? Indeed, I, I mentioned this on Sunday in our Sunday morning sermon, and I, I spoke about the fact that the world amuses us, and the word amuse means to actually make you not think, when muse means to think. And we, we need to think on these things, and the world distracts us from this. But I do think there's great hope for us with, with even what you're saying, Vainant, because Jesus came for those that are the sick, not for the healthy. Yeah. And he mentioned that to the Pharisees who actually were in desperate need of Jesus working in them, yet they were the religious elite of their day, and they had all the dots uh, dotted, all the T's crossed, of what they had in their Answers big T theology yeah. as such. And, but they had just this outward religion. But they inwardly were, were, were desperately in need of Jesus to do a work in them. Yeah. But they missed the one that was the very fulfillment of the law and the prophets yeah. standing right before them. We as a nation are desperately in need for Christ to come and heal our land. We live in a broken country, broken people. Yes. Uh, yes. We, we desperately need revival in this land. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's 11 after 7. The program, <laughs> the nature of the program is to bring hope, bring light in darkness. And if you're struggling with Whatever the case might be, I had a discussion with somebody this morning said, um, I'm so trusting the Lord for a, a certain occupation or an occupation. And there were all these side streets. And, and, and why does it happen? Why does God allow it? Because why is there no answers to our prayers? Why uh, Those type of questions. So many people, uh, last week I've spoken to people, it just doesn't make sense to them what are happening to them. And they're looking for answers. This is the program where you're sending your answer on a WhatsApp, your question, my apologies, your question on a WhatsApp to our studios and Rocky and myself. We will dive into the scriptures. If you're just listening to the program this morning, number one, I trust that you will be blessed, that God will be glorified, that spirit will deep cry out unto deep. God's spirit himself will answer you through the scriptures and that it not be flesh, not be the opinion of man, but that the Lord Jesus, through his word, will answer you. Pray for Rocky, please, uh, as the questions come in. Uh, pray for us here in studio that maybe God, through this program, will answer you supernaturally. We serve a supernatural God. So, bleger is ingeskakel, as jy vraag het, stuur het vir ons na 082 if you didn't jot it down now do not despair we'll share it throughout the program with you just listen carefully and you're welcome if it's a lifestyle question a biblical question whatever questions you've got we've said 
and we've <laughs> we braggingly say it because it's our Lord's word. It's the Bible. Somebody said it's the acronym for basically biblical living before uh, basic instruction before living eternally. Right? Biblical instruction. So send it to oh eight two six five seven two seven two nine. Rocky, we've received a. Let's keep this one anonymous. It says my family. Uh, good day to you, my family. My 15-year-old daughter told me she has feelings for a, a young boy from another religion, not the Christian religion. Uh, I told her we don't date outside our belief. Is she still too young for dating? 15, what does the Word of God say with regards to that? And uh, what does the Word of God say with allowing our kids to date outside of the Christian religion? Do we find answers in God's word for that? Indeed, and and the concern for your daughter's feelings as well as her well-being is truly commendable. I, um, you know, when you look at a question like this, so much comes to mind, and of course, sometimes we only get a brief snippet into that question. I do wonder to myself, where is the father in this um, in this equation? And I do think that one of the sad realities in our land and much of that brokenness that you spoke of the earlier is often the fatherlessness that there is. Oh, you know, where is the dad to actually stand in the gap and to be teaching his daughter what a godly man looks like, um, what a godly uh, example he plays within the home and within that role? But presuming that there is no father in this home, uh, what should the mother do? I, I do think it is important for Christian mothers to be very involved. If, if you're a single mother, be involved with a local church where there's, there's sound biblical teaching, where there are actually godly men there and where there are other godly women that are there. Remember that Titus tells us that older women are to teach younger women and children, um, and they are to teach younger women how to love their husbands, how to love their children. And so there's that discipleship element that takes place within a congregation. And a 15-year-old may have other you know, biblically sound couples that that 15-year-old might look up to. Can I ask you a question? When you say the local church, you keep on coming back to that. Number one, you need to be plugged into a local church. Mm. Number two, is it okay if you're a single mom to approach the, do you approach the elderly, the deacons, the, the, the elderly? How do you approach them and saying, listen, I, I need some godly advice here for my indeed. daughter. How, yeah. how do I do that on grassroots yeah, level? And, and, and uh, it is always the responsibility primarily of the parents to teach their children. But it's, it's not a wrong thing to go and actually ask for help and to ask for good resources. And there is so much that is available. One of the little booklets that's actually available for free online, if you look for it, it's called The Companionship Principle by Joel James. Joel's one of my friends here who pastors a church in Pretoria called Grace Fellowship. And he's got a number of little booklets that are so helpful on their website, on their church website, on Grace Fellowship. I think it's .co.za. And um, you can search just on a Google search for the Companionship Principle by Joel James, and you'll find a free PDF version that actually speaks through that idea of courtship and dating and for young teens. And then I, I do want to bring it back to that discipleship element, is that that is what is critical with our children. 
I do think that we need to be talking to our children even long before they are 15. And I do think sometimes we're taken by surprise, and especially I think in a home where maybe there's a a single mother with uh, children and she's busy working outside of the home and the child is in the schooling environment. And much of that is very broken, and I don't believe that that is uh, God's ideal for the way that the Christian home should be. But sometimes we get taken by surprise. All of a sudden our child is a teenager and we're going, oh, what just happened over there? But that's okay. Okay, you can take that brokenness before the Lord Jesus and you can ask him for his help to be able to even discern that type of a situation. And Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he uh, he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we need to be discipling our children and, and teaching them God's ways. I, I'm very reticent when it comes to teenagers, even in a courtship dating relationship. Much of what we do is we mimic what the world teaches and we start seeing and we think to ourselves oh but that's so cute but the even the book of proverbs says do not awaken love before it is ready but but you you use the word teenager teenager you won't find in the bible that's a word we created to 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 fill some kind of void gap between child and adult isn't it yes for sure and i think that as as one is under the roof of their their parents the parents even have a role in in helping that child discern a godly um, a, a husband one day or a godly wife one day and there ought to be even that discipleship and that open honesty within the home and I do think that that would be more the ideal that we have but I do want to highlight that companionship principle he has a couple of things that come out of a little book like that because I think that would be a helpful resource to to direct the listener to um, you, you want to have somebody that you can share your values your goals, your lifestyles your common faith with. And the Bible does teach us that you are not to be unequally yoked, and that's First Corinthians six. Remembering that if it, you know, you would hope that your child has come to a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, you know, at fifteen years old, of course, they are um, cognitive enough to have been able to see the example of mom and dad in the home, and we would hope that that child would have come to a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus. Then that child begins to know that everything actually is about the worship of Christ. It's not about my own gratification and about my own way and getting my own way. I sacrifice myself unto the Lord Jesus, all for him. That's that's how I surrender to him. And I must worship the Lord Jesus and trust him for his provision towards me in regard to a future spouse. And then also looking at what marriage really is, which has always been a picture since the beginning of that mystery between Christ and the church. And that reality of what Christ does for the church in giving his life up for her, and that's what a husband is called towards. And then the wife also being like the bride of Christ, which listens to the word of Christ, her Lord. And so that picture of marriage is far deeper than that that on the surface level relationship there, that there is. And Joel James emphasizes in that companionship principle the importance of choosing the right companion. And he says that we should not um, we should only date those that share our faith in Christ, because our faith is such an important part of who we are. It shapes who we how we think. And in addition, dating somebody who doesn't share our faith can make a difficulty then grow in our own faith. Is dating well. a scriptural concept? No, um, actually it's not. I mean, it's something that we have brought in, I, I believe, much from the world. And um, there is a courtship kind of a, an element. and A, a good consumer book. mentality. Yeah, and, and I think that, um, you know, another good book to go and study this through would be a book like The Song of Solomon. Um, and Song of Solomon actually takes you through that courtship 
to um, and 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 toward marriage as well, and to really study that with your children and to teach them. I do think that it is much much better to have a friendship relationship, and where actually you know if I had a daughter that was fifteen, and um, I would be on the lookout for good godly men that could possibly be a future husband for my for my daughter, yeah. and I would want to take them aside. I actually heard the story once um, of. A man that did just that. He he actually looked within his church community and his broader church community for men that would be good, suitable future husbands for for his daughter, and then he discipled them and brought them to come and have family lunch and got to interview them and get to know them. And um, how wonderful is that when a father takes the the step of actually discipling your daughter's future husband? It's not quite an arranged <coughs> marriage. But um, but it's a, it's it borders a, on it. But it borders towards that, and I think <laughs> yeah. it's. But also, where the daughter can so trust her dad, knowing that my dad has the best interests at heart, yeah. and my dad knows how boys are, yeah. because my dad was a boy too, and yeah. now he's a man, yeah. and a, a real man is a man that trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ and goes according to His ways. But my dad's the best guy to find me the best kind of a. A husband, and I, and I do think that that is something more of the biblical norm. Sadly, we don't have that much in our world because we have, um, in a sense, since the Industrial Revolution. And I thought this was a, a clever way that Kevin Swanson put this, as I heard him talk about this once. He said, um, first in the Industrial Revolution, the men left the home. Then the women left the home with the women liberation movement, and then the children left the home, and we no longer have anybody at home any longer and so we so separated from each other even in our relationships within the home and so i guess as an end um, encouragement to the listener is foster such good relationships as best as what you can with your family inside of the context of the home get away from some of the selfish consumer mentality and have deep meaningful conversations um, with your family and be able to talk about these type of a subject. And then you'll mm. find that it's not a surprise when your daughter has feelings for somebody from a different religion. or yeah. and, and you're able to talk through these things biblically and remember to always go back to the scriptures. Because this mom might have a whole bunch of areas in her life. Yeah, well, where, your reference shouldn't be Hollywood. Eh? Yes, it should be and, God's word. But, but this mom also might have a lot of brokenness in her yeah. own life. And yeah. then you feel kind of inadequate to yeah. speak about these things. But, but God's word is adequate. And you can trust God's word. And even as a mom, you can go back to God's word and you can even repent before God and before your daughter and say, look, there's areas that I've sinned against the Lord. And here's what the Bible says about this. And we're going to strive to do what the Bible says and let the word of God to shape our life and our way that we think and the way that we are. So I hope that's helpful as a broad kind of thought with that. But go look up um, The Companionship Principle by Joel James. What an excellent little book. Bless your heart, uh, Pastor Rocky Stevenson. And if you've got a question, 082-657-2729. Taking your questions until 12 o'clock this uh, morning. And uh, if you've got a question, send it through. If be possible, just uh, make note of the scripture as well. It just makes life a little bit easier in studio for Rocky and myself to find that scripture quickly and uh, to start searching for the answers. Bless your heart. Thank you for being tuned to this uh, program. Rocky, next one that we received, is it a sin to tell a lie to save a life? Wow. Yeah. A lie remains a lie or a lie, can we say, can it be acceptable? Ons praat van wit leens, white lies in Afrikaans. I don't even know if you can translate it directly. Uh, I know, Rocky, somebody once said, if I'm hiding during World War II, 
a lot of Jews in my house and a German bashes, a soldier bashes on my door and says, are you hiding any Jews? What will I answer? Shall I lie to protect them? Do I tell the truth? Is it ever okay to lie, even to save a life? Hmm. Yeah, this is a, a very wow. fascinating question and, and a really good one. So um, you're, it's such a, a challenging and important question to, to think through. And, and when considering whether it's acceptable to tell a lie to save a life, we need to balance biblical principles within the complexities of certain situations. In fact, many of the times we would not have the martyrs that we have within church history if they simply would just lie. You know, I was um, just doing um, the preparation for next week, uh, Monday, with Memorable Monday, and looking at the life of Polycarp, for example. Yeah. And I've, I've dedicated that 12 minutes or so just to Polycarp and a deeper dive into his life. And that was towards the end of the first century, early second century. That's for century. broadcast next week, Monday. Yes, that's for All broadcast right. next week, Monday. Quarter past eight. And, um, and he, uh, what a figure. You know, if he would have just lied, if he just gave incense to the Roman gods and, and you know, in his heart goes, okay, well, I'm busy. I'm just, I'm, I'm actually give, offering incense now to God in this. I'm not offering. Then he would never have been martyred. And we would never have, you know, he there had that famous quote where he says, 80 and six years, the Lord has been kind to me. How would I deny my master? You know, how would I deny him yeah, and yeah. turn away from him? So we wouldn't have all of the martyrs if they would just have lied at times to save their own life. But the Bible consistently disagrees with lying and discourages lying and tells us that lying is a sin, like Proverbs 12, verse 22, which says lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. And Jesus emphasizes truthfulness in Matthew 5, verse 37, where he says, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. However, and here's where the how, a big however comes in, Scripture also presents instances where deception was used to protect life. We actually have that within the Bible, and they're even commended for doing this, like Exodus 1, verse 15 to 21, where you have those midwives of, of the Hebrew midwives, and the Pharaoh had said, the baby boys need to be thrown into the Nile, we need to kill the baby boys, and these Hebrew midwives were like, there's no way that we are going to kill the offspring of the people of Israel, and they by faith actually lied to the Pharaoh, when he comes and he says, no, what's going on, why didn't you kill, he says, no, no, look, the Hebrew, mid, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. I mean, just think about even that lie. He, 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 they even begin to insult the Egyptian woman. It says, no, the, the Hebrew women, they're vigorous. They give birth just so quickly before we even arrive. Um, they've given birth already. And they lie. And we actually see in Hebrews 11 verse um, 31 another example of where Rahab's lie is commended mm. as faithful regarding Some, Joshua chapter 2 when she lies and hides the spies spot of Israel. On. Somebody just said here on WhatsApp, Rahab lied to, to help the Jews. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and so, so bringing in then the wisdom, and I think yes, we, you and I have spoken about this before off air at times with regard to Matthew 10 verse 16. Uh, where it talks about being as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. And this balance actually acknowledges the need for discernment as well as strategic thinking when upholding even purity of heart and motives that align with God's principles. And so we live in, as we said earlier, a very broken world, a very wicked world. I, I think that we need to walk that line very carefully. When is it that we, we actually we should be willing to give up our lives 
for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you think about somebody like a polycarp as well, there, and according to the tradition, he was going to be tied to the stake. He said, hey, you don't need to tie me. I'll just stand here. And the flames were raging. And the flames actually, according to the tradition, were blown away from Polycarp. And so the flames weren't even touching him. And eventually a Roman soldier stands there and picks up a spear and spears the 85-year-old or 86-year-old to death um, at the stake. But... um, but there's other instances where you have Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego uh, who, yeah. who stand firm and they're thrown wow. into the furnace yeah. and Jesus stands with them. You've got Daniel who will not yield and he's thrown to the lion's den, but the lions are, are shut, their mouths are shut, they cannot eat him. And, and so you have these instances where there was no lying and the Lord actually just honors these individuals. But there are other times where the heads are chopped off, like John the Baptist who had his head chopped off, or James. You know, you think of those three men that always went with Jesus everywhere, James, John, and Peter. And the first man to be martyred out of the apostles is James. He doesn't get to write a book. I mean, the book of James that we have in the New Testament is written by Jesus' half-brother. It wasn't written by James the fisherman. James the fisherman died like so soon as the New Testament begins by the by the hand of Herod, like he did with John the Baptist, he does with James. And then he locks up Peter and John and wants to do the same to them. But so there's times where the Lord allows that and he uses the blood of the martyrs to to really spur the church onward. So there's a big however there when it comes to what the Bible even teaches. There's exceptional cases that we see even in the scriptures that seem to justify lying as um, in those extreme cases. But it does not justify lying as a general practice. And that would be then taking a misunderstanding. Okay, well, Rahab lied, so then I can lie yeah, today. Yeah. And I think we need to be very careful with that. We need to uphold truth, and, and that, that's paramount. And we must remember that we are called to be as shrewd as serpents, and we need to navigate the complexities that we face wisely in our world. You know, you know uh, for example, let's bring another um, uh, a modern day example into place all right when it comes to the the spanking of a child you know with 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 a rod on mm-hmm. the backside you know they say that you need to apply the the hand of knowledge to the seat of learning um, all right <laughs> and <laughs> the bible teaches us that if you spare the rod you yeah. actually hate your child spoil the child you spoil yeah. the child you yeah. don't actually love your child but now as a christian are you going to go and stand in the middle of pick and pay and start spanking your child you know, I mean, like there's a situation that would be tremendously unwise yeah. to do. You know, even if the child had done something that was sinful, as a Christian, you, you go and you now, of course, remember, we must have a we must not have a loveless rod and we must not have a rodless love. You must have that balance. We need to have the rod um, used in love. And that's what the Bible teaches. So how would you do that? You would go home, you would share the gospel with your child. You will talk through this situation and you will spank in love. Showing them what the word of God. Now, there's a situation where you are using a passage like this, where you are being as wise as a serpent, as a serpent, and as shrewd as a, or let's say, as shrewd as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. So, in conclusion to that, that dilemma of lying to save a life is a reminder that our fallen world has huge complexities. And like you said, you know, if you hiding Jews at the time of the Holocaust that was taking place in in Germany during just during the Second World War time, what would you say? You know, you, you can trust the Lord and, um, and, and go with how his Holy Spirit yeah. even leads you there, knowing mm-hmm. that there's some wicked, wicked people in this world that want to do wicked, wicked things. So sum it up for us. Put it in a nutshell. Yeah. What do we answer the listener? I think that we, we, we need to 
uphold the scriptures. We need to see the complexity of it, and we need to allow the Lord to lead us inside of the situations that we have. And I do think we need to be very careful that we are not self-serving with what we have. There's, there's actually another religion that has a doctrine called the doctrine of taqiyya, um, and some might be familiar with that, where it says you can lie to any unbeliever. And that's a that's a terrible thing yeah. to to um, uphold. It actually becomes very unholy because then it means that you can lie about your business dealings. You can be corrupt in what you do as long as you can you say said the sales you know, as, as the long wind as blows. you can say. But this was actually not to a believer. Yeah. You know, this is not to mm-hmm. a brother. Oh, right. um, that would be an absolute terrible way of applying this. But when it comes to upholding the the greater good. There is an element where we see that even upheld right. within the scriptures. 27 minutes to 12 o'clock. Time's ticking on slowly, but surely the hourglass is uh, emptying. So uh, if you want to get your question in on time, 082-657-2729. Thank you so much. Dank dat jy luister na jullie program. En ons het gebid vir oogend vir jou voor ons in die atelier gekom het. En dankie dat jy deel aan hier die program. As jy een vraag het, een uh, bybelse vraag of een leefstel vraag, stuur vir ons in 082-657-2729. One of the things that we need to adhere to in this program, uh, ICASA says you have to play some music, well, we want to adhere to the authorities uh, that said over us, Don Stephen, Benjamin Dupe, you are holy, and when we come back, we'll take some more questions. Taking a quick break, a breather, and uh, 082-657-2729, keep them rolling, keep them coming in. And thank you so much for listening to Scriptural. 0826572729. My goodness, questions are just streaming in. Rocky, let's get rolling and see how we're doing with these questions. Uh, good day, pastors. I think it was Zani. Zani, do I pronounce it correctly? That says, good day, pastors. Can a Christian lose his or her salvation? What does the Bible say regarding this? Rocky, very interesting one. I saw a media post on Facebook yesterday, not Facebook, one of the social media platforms that says one of the biggest lies perpetrated by the evil one is once saved, always saved, and now you get people who just go on sinning and think, well, I'm saved. You know, God should just forgive me and... Uh, it says, if you have been set free by righteousness, then you, if you sin again, there's no hope. And he was making reference, I think, of Hebrews. Was it Hebrews 6? Yes. That he was speaking about. Question, Rocky, can yeah. somebody lose their salvation? Yeah, look, the problem with that, um, what, what that person, the post that you're referring to, is, is not the problem with the doctrine of, uh, if or eternal security, the problem actually is with people misunderstanding the gospel in the first place and having a cheap grace where they have a different Jesus than the Jesus of the scriptures. You are never ever saved by your own good works. You're saved by Jesus' good works, his perfect person, his perfect words, but you are saved for good works. And you cannot say that you are born again if you are not taking on the good works that what you have prepared are those beforehand good for you to walk in them. Yeah. And some of those good works are, are having the presence of the Lord Jesus or the presence of God being part of your life, worshiping him, t- turning back to a place where you walk with him because that's what Jesus does. He's, he restores us to that place where we can have fellowship with the Father through the Spirit of God and where we actually walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. We now begin to be able to live out the moral law of God's word, not in the sense that we can gain salvation, but because of salvation. We start to live in a way that enters into the love of Christ 
we start to love God's word, we start to love prayer, we start to love the fellowship of the saints, we actually are different people altogether. So I think the problem there is that there's been a cheap grace that is often given to many, and they, they've kind of like taken that as the the gospel. I walked the aisle, I wrote my name in the back of a Gideon Bible, I came as I am, and I'm staying as I am. And that is the false, it's a false gospel. And you know, yeah. Romans 6 even says, how, how dare you say, well, well, grace is abound as I've sinned, so let me just sin so that grace may abound. Yeah. That's actually the talk of somebody that's not regenerate. Why would anybody, having seen what the massive love that God has had put on display because of Jesus at the cross, why would anybody go and just willingly nail more nails into Jesus? If they've understood what Jesus did, they won't go and just want to sin against him. So so the secret sin of Christians, you, you and I know in this modern day and age, pornography, the 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 under-the-table relationships, the, the divorces. It's been said that Christian divorce is worse than worldly divorce. My question is, we, we're sinning just like the world. What does the fruit show? Are we really saved? And if we are saved, you know, I think can, I think I'm going to give you a scary answer to that. I think there's a lot more people unsaved than than what we realize at times. Yeah, um, many that that say, "Lord, Lord," will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. There's you, you think of this, and I, I, it's, a, it's quite a scary thought. You have the people of Israel that go through the Red Sea. And they go and they've come out of Egypt, which symbolizes that slavery and the, the bondage. And there's a, there's a picture in that regarding the coming into Christ and the being baptized into Jesus. And um, many of them go into the wilderness and all they're doing is complaining and murmuring against Moses and against Aaron. And they constantly are moaning, give us something to drink, give us something to eat. They go after idolatry. Only two of those men out of that whole adult generation. Actually Two and a half enter, million Jews. Uh, enter the promised land, you know, Joshua and Caleb. The rest of that whole adult generation actually die in the wilderness. Rocky, the stop of, here. We're talking two and a half million Jews and only two guys made it. Yeah, yeah. And then it's the, the children of that generation. You know, many of those children may have gone through the Red Sea as well, and then they would go through the parting of the Jordan into the land of Canaan. But only those two men out of that whole adult generation, and they perished in the wilderness. That's the whole book of the book of Numbers, where you see these people that actually, even though they had such vivid displays of what we call a theophany, even at Mount Sinai, with the thundering voice of God and the shaking of the ground and the, the glory and the smoke and the leading of Christ who, who led them. The, the, and, and that, that yeah. is the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate yeah. Jesus that went to battle for them even against those that were their foes. And yet they had disbelief. You think of those, and, I, and I don't, I've begun to not like the term Jesus follower, because Jesus followers are those people that wanted Jesus just for the bread that he gave them. And the fish, when yeah. he When he broke the bread and gave it to them, the 5,000, they came to him and they just wanted the physical benefits that they could get from him. But remember when he started speaking about the fact that they must come and they must eat his flesh and drink his blood if they are to be saved. Now, of course, he's not talking cannibalism because yeah. the, the Bible prohibits cannibalism. But he's talking about the fact that he must save them. Unless he should save them, they are all lost. These were two difficult words for them to actually hear. And they turn away from him and they leave him. And he turns to his disciples. You know, you think like um, that wasn't good for his popularity, right? And today yeah. people are all about their popularity. Yeah. They just want people to pat them on the back and sing their praises. And he wa they want people to tickle their ears and pat them on the back too. But Jesus turns to his disciples. He says, do you guys want to go as well? And they respond. They say, you have the words of eternal life. Where should yeah. we go? 
Way and at that goes. stage, they haven't received the Holy Spirit as exactly. yet. No, no. And, and it, it was just based on what they see and experience. Exactly. And so I do think that there's many that actually are not born again. So I like the phrase, instead of once saved, always saved, I prefer the phrase, if saved, always saved. And the Bible also commands us to examine ourselves often. Even when it comes to the Lord's Supper, that's a, a moment where we can examine ourselves. Rather be a Christian that doubts you're a Christian than be an unbeliever believing you're a believer. <laughs> wow. That's much better for you. Because there is a tendency nowadays to learn, let's call it Christianese. Yes. You've got the, the linger under yeah. the knee. Yeah, I was so provoked in my own spirit on Sunday when <clears throat> I was preaching, and I was just thinking, you know, that like if only people can wake up to realize the, 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 the desperate state that they are often in and the, the need that they have to worship the Lord. We've, we've grown into this like comfortable Christianity where it's all about me and my experience and what I got from church on the Sunday. Yeah. And how nice. What can you, know, you tell me that I don't know? You know what's, yeah. they, they're more worried about whether the pastor needs a haircut or not than yeah. whether, whether they're walking right with God. And, wow. and I think that we have a sad, a sad case that we are in in this world where we don't realize how serious these things are. I mean, we have brothers and sisters as Christians that are busy rotting in prisons around the world that are busy suffering. I mean, I heard of a figure that, that shocked me. Three million Christians, they say, are in uh, – sorry, it wasn't three million. My n- numbers are out of uh, whack. It, it, it was about 50,000 Christians in uh, North Korea that are in a concentration camp. And you think, like, well, how can there be that many people that are uh, just being associated with being Christian and you persecute it? And, yeah, we are in our country and we have so much religious freedom and we actually we, – we're so comfortable about it. I don't feel like going to church today. Somebody floated you know? the word spiritual fat cats. Yeah, exactly. Wow. But, you know, you have passages like um, John ten twenty eight to 29, just because I want to give the scriptural reference to some of these, and I give <coughs> eternal life to them. This is Jesus speaking about his sheep, yeah. and they will never perish. Now, this is Jesus speaking. So we gotta, we got to listen and go, if Jesus is speaking about his sheep, and he's talking about him giving his life for his sheep, and he says he gave them eternal life, because of the fact that he gave it to them, they will never perish. He says, even and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So there we have this doctrine of eternal security. Now let me say to the listener as well, if you could lose your salvation, you would. You would lose it, if you could, because we mess everything up, but God is faithful. Even in our times of faithlessness, God is faithful. If we were able to gain our salvation, then we definitely would lose our salvation. We're not the ones that are the ones that secured our salvation. It is Jesus at the cross. So to say that you can lose your salvation also starts at a wrong point. It says that you're the one that got your salvation. It puts all of the emphasis on you, and then you can pat yourself on the back. And and there is a modern-day saying that, you know, I have given my life to God. Yes, yeah. That's it's that modern day saying. It is that modern day saying, and it's part of this uh, this kind of messed up. Um, uh, what would you call it? Like a messed up evangelism. I was listening to uh, Leonard Ravenhill, one of his old sermons recently, and that's another man that I've enjoyed listening to of recent. I don't always agree with every theological aspect, but I was listening to him, and somebody asked him the question: You know, why are we not getting revival? Uh, what's the biggest danger to that? And his answer was interesting. He said the biggest problem is actually our faulty evangelism. And you think about that, you know, faulty evangelism, because people have this idea of just like come as you are, stay as you are. Um, no, yeah. Jesus came to change your life. He came to free you from sin. He came to save you from the penalty of 
um, and and even from the the pleasure of sin, the presence of sin, the the penalty that sin would have over you, he's saved you in particular, Lord Jesus, from the wrath of God. All right. You had a God problem that you had. Another passage to refer to with regard to this is Romans eight thirty eight to 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other Nothing. created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Another passage, Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. In him you also, after listening to the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, now, you've got to ask yourself the question, have I listened to the word of truth, the gospel of salvation? Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. We've sealed. It's a, it's a done deal once you're in Christ, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance until the redemption of God's possession to the praise of his glory. This, this eternal security is because of the mighty work of the Lord Jesus Christ in us. And we, if we deny the mighty work of Christ, then we would say, of course, then I can lose it because I'm the one who gained it. But if you could, you would lose it. If saved by God, always saved yes. by God. All and right. Big, big if there. <laughs> big if there. And then Second Corinthians thirteen five. my brother, my sister, you listening, says, go and search yourself to see if Christ is hmm. in you. Yeah. Unless you fail the test. All right. Then uh, run. Run like the wind. Find somebody who can help you. Or run to your inner room. Cry out to God for mercy. Mm. Now, everybody that will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a marvelous promise, isn't it? Yeah. And it needs to come from your DNA. And John, I mean, um, Romans 10, where it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus yeah. is Lord and you yeah. believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah. It's so simple, so profound, yet so... Um, Difficult for mankind because John three nineteen says the light is coming to the world, but the people have loved darkness. Yeah, well, Rocky, I had that veil for twenty six years over my heart, and uh, I, we pray that God through His Word would do a wondrous thing in your life uh, today. Uh, Rocky, time catching up with us. We've got four minutes to go. Will we see our loving pets <laughs> in heaven one day? I you know, know dangerous, <laughs> uh, dangerous question. You know, because now, now the Bible doesn't explicitly say anything, but um, I, I don't believe that we will see them, and and that is because animals don't have a soul like human beings do. However, it does seem that there will be animals in heaven. So there's a, a caveat to kind of like um, yeah. comfort the listener yeah. because we will ride on horses when yes. it comes with coming. Horses with the will Jesus. definitely. But be. also, we have the marriage feast of the Lamb, and so there seems to be some slaughtering that takes place. And in the thousand-year reign of Christ, there will be animals on this earth that we will rule over as well. And so there, um, you know, there will be animals in that sense. There is also passages that talk of how every creature in heaven and earth will worship him. And already animals do that, do that in a sense. They don't sin against God. They keep on doing what God commanded them to do in Genesis. All right. Then somebody had sent us a question. We decided to keep this person anonymous. And the person asked a, a very interesting Intimate, sensitive question, and uh, then the person said, uh, uh, "Rocky, you said, well, let's answer this individual. She will know who she is." Uh, you said, "Simply go to God's word. You will find the answer there." Mm. Be- because she said, "Can it be blessed? Should I give my blessing? Can it be blessed?" Are you still sticking with that? Go to God's word. Yeah, um, I think uh, the listener will know that who we're talking about. And this is a, a question that um, 
that is quite a sensitive one. God's word is very clear in regard to relationships, and God's word teaches us uh, about what it is to have true biblical marriage and what that looks like. And you can go to God's word and you can seek counsel there. What I would also say is, I know sometimes we do get quite sensitive questions. What's always good uh, to the listener is um, find a good Bible teaching church. If you don't know one, if you're not part of one, you can always email me at pastor.bononibiblechurch.co.za. I've got many wonderful brothers in the Lord that are pastors of good biblically sound churches around the country. And if I can't find you a church near to where you are, I'll probably have a brother that would be able to. And then we can plug you into a good Bible teaching church. And you can take a question like the one that you've sent us um, regarding your daughter to um, to the pastors or the elders of a good a good solid church. All right. Fantastic. Uh, I hope you uh, understand why, why we're saying it and uh, and how we're saying it. So, uh, Rocky, three minutes left, if possible. God the Spirit is giver of gifts. If we have received different gifts, then does it mean that I or someone may not have received the f- gift of faith? 1 Corinthians, what is the scripture there? 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 4. Uh, faith is also a gift after we have listened to a message that says faith is also a gift because mm. without faith, no one can be saved. No one can please God. Yeah. Uh, what do we answer the listener? Yeah. Um, so, so there is a difference between the spiritual gift of faith where somebody would actually be, um, would have almost a greater measure of faith compared to, let's say, another one that's, for example, I would have something like the gift of preaching. Um, or the gift of interpretation in the sense of interpreting God's word or um, understanding what God's word is about. And there's a, there's a giftedness. Now, none of that belongs to us. It has been given to us and it is to be used for God's glory. But there would seem to be a difference with 1 Corinthians twelve nine, which speaks about the, this gift in particular of faith. And it's characterized as this supernatural ability to trust God in extraordinary ways. And often in situations that seem even impossible or beyond human comprehension. So individuals with this gift of faith demonstrate this unwavering confidence in God's power and in his promises and in his circumstances. But then there is the fruit of the Spirit. And part of the fruit of the Spirit, now it's the singular, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 from verse 22 to 23, is that you must have faith. If you have the Spirit of God, you must have faith. You will have faith. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. And so you trust in what God has said. And so the fruit of the Spirit referred to as faith is listed there in Galatians. And this is different from the spiritual gift of faith. And so the fruit of faith is is a quality that develops within a believer's character as they grow in their relationship with Christ. Every believer will have faith, but not every believer will have the spiritual gift of faith as spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12. So I hope that's helpful. Um, Every individual Christian will have faith, and some Christians will have even a greater faith. And I do think that that will often be expressed in something like prayer, you know, you would see that going hand in hand with somebody that's really a prayer warrior that takes God at his word and um, is it would, would even bring before him the situations of brothers and sisters in the local church. And they have a, a gift of faith in that sense. And sometimes they're a great encouragement. People that have this gift are a great encouragement to other Christians in that way. And remember that each gift is given so that you would edify the body. It's to build up the brothers and sisters within the congregation. Well, time to love and leave you. Can you believe it? One hour gone into eternity in a blink of an eye. Life is but a vapor. Search the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to listen to Rocky Stevenson, Vangan Rousseau, and
and Radio Pulpit. Now the onus is on you to go and search the scriptures, Acts 17, 11, to see if these things are so. Rocky, that email address if somebody wants to be in touch with you? Pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za Playing out with Liz that says, I bless your name. Lord, we love you. We bless your name, bringing the undiluted gospel in this program on this radio station. Till next time, keep well. God bless you. Shalom.